0: So we're going to turn to God's Word this morning in Revelation 2, um, and I wonder uh, if you haven't noticed yet, um, Valentine's Day is almost upon us, and heart decorations are everywhere and advertisers are bombarding us with images and language all about love, and even in the headrests of the seats yesterday of the plane on my journey home, two of the adverts were based on love. One of them said, and I made a note of them, one of them said, deals you'll love, inside a heart and the other said fall in love with 20% off I mean (laughs) it, it seems like love is everywhere love is the theme it seems at the minute and and I hesitate even to say it in in the week of Valentine's Day that we are going to be thinking about love this morning but be assured it is not a Valentine's Day kind of love It is not an emotional, romantic kind of love. And that's because Christians can know a deeper, truer, purer, more enduring love. And that is the love of our heavenly father. The love that we see on the pages of scripture, the love that is most clearly visible as we consider Jesus Christ come to earth, sent by the father to this world to take the penalty of sin. Sin that he he had none of his own, yet he took the penalty of sin so that for those who turn to him in repentance and faith, they may know life in him, grace, forgiveness, eternal security. And so that is love. We love because he first loved us. And for our our time this morning, we are going to consider how those who trust in Jesus as Lord and Saviour should respond to the love that we've been shown See, Jesus' words recorded to us here in Revelation 2, as we see his message to the church in Ephesus, it becomes clear that when it comes to responding to the love of Jesus, we can see that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter, when we come to thinking on how we return and respond to the love that Christ has shown us, then the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Jesus makes it clear to the Ephesian church that he values all that they have done. He values how they have persevered under trial. He values how they have preserved truth. But he seems very concerned about the state of their heart before him. And he calls them back to love. And so this morning we're going to consider how the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart as we see it here in Revelation 2, 1 to 7. And Revelation as a book is a letter sent to seven churches in Asia Minor in the first century. And within that letter, we have these seven messages to each individual church recorded in chapters 2 and 3. And Jesus dictates these messages to the seven churches. And as John makes note of them, we see that if Ephesus is first on the list. But as we take all seven, and I would encourage you to read all seven letters to the churches in chapters two and three of Revelation, and you may spot a pattern. Uh, And it's a pattern of how each of these messages is structured to the church. And we're going to use the the outline and the rough guide of that structure this morning as well as we look through the letter to the Ephesus, the Ephesian church. And here is that structure. Uh, Every message includes an intro. Jesus introduces himself. And he introduces himself very specifically with an aspect of a description that's taken straight from chapter one. And chapter one is where John receives this vision of the risen and ascended and exalted Christ. And so there's a description of Jesus used in the introduction to each church to remind us and help us to see that the one who sends this message is the authoritative one. It is Jesus's words to the church. And so we can know from the intro that this message has real significance because of who sends it. So there's an intro. Then Jesus explains what he knows about the church positively and or negatively. There's a mixture of that throughout the seven letters. But the point is clear. Jesus knows his church. He knows the good that they have achieved and he is quick to commend and celebrate that. But he also knows areas where there have been compromise And he is ruthless about rooting and longing the church to root out what may be holding them back in their faithfulness to him. And it's clear through what Jesus knows that he deeply loves his church. It is his church. The the church of Jesus Christ is his representation on this planet now. We are his body as his church. And so he longs for that church to be fruitful and to be faithful. And we can see that in how he explains what he knows. So there's an intro and he explains what he knows. And then there's a so. Based on who he is and what he knows about the church, he has a message specifically for that group of people. Based on who he is and what he knows, he provides some kind of direction to get them back on track to faithfulness or motivation to keep on going if he's commending their good good work. And so there's action to be taken based on who he is and what he knows. And then we see the reason why they must take that action, the because. Jesus gives the outcome if they heed his word or if they do not. There's a result that will happen if they take seriously his so. And each letter finishes then, each message finishes with a promise. Jesus explains the eternal reward for those who remain faithful. So we see language of to him who overcomes or to him who is victorious and then the promise of Jesus will. And so in our letter to the church in Ephesus, we see to him who overcomes, I will give the right. Jesus will. Because Jesus is saying this, this is a promise that is sure. Jesus, remember from the description, from the intro, he is the authoritative one. His words matter. And so when he promises to his people, He will be faithful to bring that to pass. And so there's a rhythm and a pattern in each of the seven letters. Intro, no, so, because, promise. And so we'll use that as a rough guide as we take ourselves through the letter to the Ephesian church this morning. I'd love us to read that letter again. And thank you for having it read already. But let's turn again to God's word as we look at Revelation 2, verses one to seven. And perhaps you can spot that structure as we make our way through these seven verses. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand and walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles and are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But, if you, but you have this in your favor. You hate the practices of Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. And let's pray as we, as we come to God's word once again. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would help us as we hear your word. Lord, that we would hear what you have to say to us this morning through your word. And then we would not just be hearers of it, but doers also. And so speak to us, we pray in your wonderful name. Amen. And so as we consider this structure to the church, as we consider how this letter begins with the intro, what do we see here? Well, the introduction is in verse one. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hands and walks among the seven lampstands. Well, as I said, that introduction and these introductions in each message are taken from the description in chapter one. So in verse 13 and in verse 16 of chapter one, we see John using this, these languages, this language, sorry, of him who holds the seven stars and who walks among the seven lampstands. And then graciously at the end of chapter one, Jesus himself tells us what that means. What are the seven stars? What are the seven lampstands? Well, even if you have your Bible open and skip back to verse 20 of chapter one, you can see Jesus explain this. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. So Jesus is holding the seven angels of the churches in his hand. And whether those angels are angels Actual angels, whether they are the leaders of the churches, whether they are messengers sent to the churches, it's not really made clear. The point is, Jesus holds them. Jesus holds his churches. The point again is about his authority. The church is his, and he cares for those who care for his church. And so, Jesus is the one with authority. The fact that he is walking among the seven golden lampstands is significant too. See, the risen and exalted and ascended Jesus is not aloof, is not distant. He is deeply present with his people. He walks among them. He is active. He is close. He is personal. He is relational. This is a great encouragement to all of us who are in Jesus Christ. Jesus is relational. He longs for relationship with each of us individually and with his church corporately. He walks among. And so in this first verse of chapter two, we see the introduction. These are the words of him who is authoritative and they're coming from the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the one who holds the seven seven stars and walks among the seven lampstands, the one who is relational and the one who has authority. But what does Jesus know about this church? Firstly, there's some commendation. Verses two and three show us this wonderful message of encouragement for the church in Ephesus. There's great things to be said about their life and witness. Jesus says, I know your deeds and your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked men that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary."